How many people were here for last Sunday? Good. We uh, launched a five-week preaching series. We're going to go through our, our values for the next five weeks, which are on the wall there, in case you can't see them in the dark. We are Christ-centered. We are outward-focused. We are servant-hearted. We're disciple-making, and we're prayer-empowered. And so I like every year going back through our culture and, and who we are, revisiting that and, and looking at that so that from that, once we, we all have that culture in us and, and once we, once again, to word it, this house has always been, so we're not trying to become that, we are that. I think we just need to keep coming back to that, looking at that. And then suddenly, as we start to share that heartbeat again and again, God will use us to reach a community in new ways, but the same heart. And so it was great last week, we, uh, we, we spoke on being Christ-centered, and some of the wording that we always use, I can't stress this wording enough, if, if you and I will simply focus on being Christ-centered, just simply focus on remaining in a relationship with Jesus Christ, the other four will naturally happen. Can't stress that enough. If you're sitting here and you're trying to be generous, you're trying to be servant-hearted, you're trying to make disciples, you're trying to pray in the morning, it's going to feel very forced. It's going to feel very forced, and that's where religion abides, in a forced Christ-like existence, where we want to be with Christ and relationship. And so when you're with Christ, things start to flow. And we spoke about that last week. If I could get John chapter 7 up, Tilly, if that's okay. We spoke about this verse that I want to remind you on, and we're going to go through it again later. John chapter 7, 37 to 38, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted. He really wants us to catch what he's about to say, amen? He stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. That's good. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scripture declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. See the picture that our Savior is painting for us now. He's not saying build your own rivers and, and create your own water and get your own water source. He's like, you just come to me. I'll do the rest. Do you get that? You just go to him. He'll do the rest. If I can just stress again and again, week in, week out with what we sing and do and preach about, you just go to Jesus. He'll sort the rest. He really will. And the sorting of the rest might look like killing religion or self-righteousness or pride or ego, but that's a good thing as well, right? Sometimes the rest, we have this goal and will and ambition and God destroys that out of love and creates a new path, but that's a win as well because our only goal is your kingdom come, your will be done. Amen? I, I, I need you to get just a little bit more vocal this morning. I'm really insecure today. And so can you just please support me up here? Otherwise, I'm going to go home and cry on Hannah's shoulder. And so just a little bit more, like you don't have to get like crazy, but just like, amen. Come on, there it is. All right. You won't hear better than that. You, you will not, and it's not even from me. That's scripture, page after page after page. Don't move away from Jesus. Don't go away from Jesus. He's the life source. He's the center. He's the heartbeat of the gospel. And so I'm not moving on to meteor matters like how to be an awesome leader or get your time management right or things like that. Now, we, we're going to preach Christ till the day I die. And after that, someone else is going to take this on and preach Christ until he comes home. And so you just go to Jesus. He'll sort everything else out. I love that so much. I love that heartbeat being seen in everything we do. When you see someone, go to Jesus and he sorts the puzzle of their life out. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's truly a miracle in progress. And so 
I just want to invite today as we talk about our, our second value there, outward focused. Before I invite them up, just so you guys know too, I just thought, um, you know, not for anything new, we're not changing it, but we're going to put an action point to each value this month because I just think it's simple and it's fun and it helps some people. I always try and think of the way I word it is, how can I constantly preach the same message a different way? That's what I ask myself every single week because I don't want to change the gospel. I never want to. How do I preach the same message a different way? And so our action points of to be Christ-centered, just to bring some clarity to you, is we worship. And last week, if you were here in the worship time, I had at least a dozen people come up to me and say, that was the best worship I've ever been in. Uh, it was phenomenal. It was so incredibly thick. God's presence was here in such a tangible, strong way. And that's what it looks like to us. Being Christ-centered is not owning a Bible, calling yourself a Christian, going to church every now and again. It's you're a worshiper. Not just even in that song once a week, you're a worshiper. It's who you are. And what that looks like is going to the water source. John chapter 15, it says that he is the vine and we are the branches. We are to abide in him. This is just clear. Jesus makes it clear for us. What's the branch's one goal? Like it's one goal. People, people sometimes go, oh, to, to produce fruit. It's serious. It's not. The branch only focuses on getting water from the, the tree, the vine. Fruit naturally happens if that branch can get water. You want to see breakthrough in your world? You want to see more fruit of the Spirit? You want to see more incredible miracles happening? Don't worry about them. Get to Jesus. He'll sort the rest out. And so that's what we worship. Today we're going to go on outward focus, which we describe as we give and invite. And so uh, we're going to look at that today and, and go back to that John chapter 7 a bit later. But can I invite the, the panel up, please, with... Pastor Kathy, Pastor Brad, and then Caleb and Tess coming up here. Can we welcome these guys? Just move it over here so you guys can all be seen. How y'all doing? Good. Cable guy. You got your Sunday best on there, mate. I like it. So, we have uh, Pastor Kathy on my immediate left, her and her husband Chris back there. Pastor Chris, they have been uh, Eric and Christine's friends for, gosh, since, since the ark, really, since Noah was a boy. And uh, they literally went to high school together, but they helped start our church 38 years ago. And uh, just uh, pillars here, still here every single Sunday. They're pretty much every single Sunday, every prayer meeting, everything. They're amazing. Love them so much. In the middle, Caleb and Tess, incredible people. I, I love these guys so much. They've been here for about uh, three and a half years now. It's just before the transition. Yeah, three and a half years and uh, amazing. Tess, within six months, knew more people on the Gold Coast than me, and I've lived here my whole life. And so uh, it's so good to see these guys in action. Tess is a creative designer who just flew in flows into everything. Then you wrote a book, you do paintings, you raise three girls, you pretty much do it all. Caleb is a stuntman who I'll forever have a man crush on. And I'm not even afraid to admit it. Like this guy gets paid to, in South Africa, like you were running on a train. You, you doubled the lead actor and you were like running on top of a moving train. Like that is just the coolest thing ever. Like when you're a little boy at home, you play with dolls that do that. And you're like, imagine one day, that'd be so... He does that. And then Brad at the end is our youth and kids pastor, along with his wife, Anna, who isn't here at the moment. Let's put our hands together for Brad. He was also full-time butcher and all-around good guy, George of the Jungle. So, uh, 
I want to invite these guys up. If we're going to talk about, you know, being uh, a church that invites, I wanted to ask Pastor Kathy and Pastor Brad just about being invited. These guys, their testimony, I love it. And so what, did it, what was it like to be invited, you know, on that angle? And then uh, Caleb and Tess, I love so much. They very naturally love the lost, invite people, not just to a church service, but to Jesus. And so I want us to catch both angles today of uh, when we put ourselves in the shoes of someone who was invited and is still here decades later, that might give us a little bit more of a, a clearer picture that it's not like a KPI key performance indicator. I have to invite a, a, a 10 people a year. It's not that. It's, it's I want to see people like this still in church when I pass away because I invited them to church. That's the heartbeat behind all this. So Pastor Kathy, I've already forgotten the questions, but <laughs> what was it like when you, uh, so Eric and Chris got saved over in New Zealand um, and then you were married, you got married to Pastor Chris and, and you guys were not Christians and in a very difficult space and uh, some things were happening there and then they moved over and really started in investing in your life. What did it look like for you when they started talking to you about God and church or inviting you, not just to a service because I know they didn't, but inviting you to a relationship with God? How did that feel? Well, it was sort of from a distance because we all lived together in Sydney and Chris and I moved up here and Eric and Chris went to New Zealand. Um, I'm not even sure what year my mind's... I don't, I've not got a really good memory but of dates and times and things. But, um, yeah, they went over there and got saved in 73. And after that, some other friends were with them that we knew as well. And we were getting literature from them. That was our, the first sort of seed. In the mail, we were getting um, little tracks and stuff like that. And we knew that they became Christians and it didn't um, really mean that much to us, you know. Was it offensive getting those things? No, not really. We just, you know, didn't really think much really. But, yeah, you look back and, yeah, and know that they were seeds that, you know, were being planted. When you look back and think about it, but at the time, they don't really mean anything. It, it was um, good for them that they'd, you know, or whatever, We'd, yeah, we didn't even think it was a good thing. We were um, smoking dope and, you know, still still very worldly, doing the same things that we were doing in Sydney, you know, partying and stuff like that. And um, Sorry to jump in. That's, that's a big thing. A lot of people I chat to, they're like, oh, but it's too offensive to tell people about Jesus. It's too offensive to, to invite them to church. It's too offensive. And so for you to get a piece of paper... In the mail, like, hey, you're a sinner, but Jesus loves you and died for you. Like, that was, you call that a seed. God was working on that. Yeah. Awesome. And I think um, Eric and, and Chris White used to get together um, when, they, when we were all living together. You know, they'd be, have philosophical talks and, you know, um, and all that sort of thing. So Chris might have been thinking more about, what you know? What's this Christianity or or something like that? And I knew the whole time that Christianity was the right way. Like I, we were born um, up as Christians, 
not that I had a relationship with Jesus, but I knew that, you know, Christianity, you know, that was just a given, that Christianity was the, the true religion. Yeah, I didn't look into other religions or anything like that. So, yeah, I didn't really think anything about that. It was when Eric and Chris came over and visited us that um, we started asking them, you know, about what they believed and stuff like that. And I remember um, Eric saying that it was um, a lifestyle. It was a new lifestyle. It was more about the lifestyle than... Um, than anything that's what I so I think the Holy Spirit's moving behind um, what's going on even though you might not um, think anything or think that you're thinking anything <laughs> but the Holy Spirit is working on those seeds that are being planted awesome. yeah so I think when they came over and started talking about what they believed in because we um, when we were living in Sydney as well this was another thing I remember we were vegetarians and... Um, Sorry about that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I remember Eric talking uh, to Chris about why they ate, ate meat now. And so we started eating meat. <laughs> because of what it said in the Bible or something, you know what I mean? Like, these were just all things that I remember. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And so they, uh, you started having these chats around the dinner table or, you know, at night. And so... Do you, was there a moment where they were like, hey, come on, you need, to, you need to do this, you need to give your life to Jesus? Or was it something that just kind of happened when you were away from them? Like, what was the thing, that, the moment for you where you're like, this is for me? Well, that was like, when I was thinking about the, this today, I was just thinking how long things took with me. Even when I said the sinner's prayer, it was years before I really had an encounter I believe, and had a relationship, like, because of, um, I believe it, I had, well, I know, because of years after I'd said the sinner's prayer that I realised I had shame over my life, and it was like I was um, covering, trying to cover myself with, uh, it was a mask, the smoking and drinking and stuff like that, the worldly things were a mask for what was really going on in my life and it was only down the track that I realised that I and dealt and got free of that shame that was in my life and you know like sitting here talking about my life is a miracle like yeah. it was so different back then to what it is now yeah, yeah. so um yeah it was only when um Eric and Chris came over to start the church in 81 that, you know, where we had a real encounter, yeah, where they led us to the Lord. Yeah, beautiful, mm. incredible. Now this, I actually didn't text you about this, but I'd love to know, in those first 12 months then of regular church attendance, even though you were starting the church, what was one of the main things that really kept you, like you loved, like, you, like kept you in church and said, this is for me, I'm here for life? Does that make sense? Yeah. I think just the need because, because um, I was still sort of covering things up and the, the shame and I was very fearful. I was fearful of the singing, like it didn't come easy to go, but, um, and I don't think there was a church 
in the beginning, like Eric, um, Chris gave his heart to the Lord first and Eric was doing Bible um, studies with him to help him in his walk and I was still smoking and stuff like that and wasn't ready and and then I um, what was the question? <laughs> the first 12 months what was the thing that really kept you in Oh that's church? right yeah. Yeah so and then they had the house meeting so yeah when I got led to Jesus I, we just went along and yeah it was um, that commitment that we made. Yeah, can I um, mention the encounters I had with God outside of that? Yeah, because the first time I really believed that there was a God was when we visited my sister, because I looked up to my two older sisters and my sister and her husband got saved at the same time as Eric and Chris, only um, they were in Port Macquarie and I remember visiting them and they were saved at that time and my sister told me that there is a God, she believed in God and that was another seed so I sort of encountered God first and I had a friend Judy who um, when we, um, we used to smoke dope together and we had this, it was my birthday or something she came around and I had this smoke and I don't know what was in it but I was just really fearful and out of it and I remember calling out to God because Chris was a Christian at this stage and I remember that was my first call out to God if there's a God you know because I know that's how Chris called out you know if, if God's real and that's when I called out to to God and it was after and then I just wanted um, what Eric and Chris and Chris had. I wanted that um, encounter with God, and, but I never asked for it. I always, and that's the other thing, like, I've been in that place, and I don't know if anyone can relate, where you sit at home waiting for someone to come. It, it's a trap of the enemy. You know, he doesn't want, they, want, they might not ever come, so just, just be aware of that, the enemy trying to entrap you. And I think that um, I realise now how real the devil was back there trying to keep me bound yeah. and entrapped. But yeah, I might not have had that, you know, like everyone else was really happy, you know, uh, you've said the sinner's prayer, you know, um, other Christians, but I was still entrapped in that place. And it was years before um, I get, got set free of that shame. And it was only, you know, by... Well, I just felt like, where else are you going to go? Yeah. Like, you've just got to... And that was the other thing as well that, you know, I mentioned this friend, Judy, that I used to smoke with. I made... I sat there and thought, at some point, I have to give up because I remember Eric saying it's a lifestyle change and I had to ask myself am I willing to stop this life and have a new life and that was another you know encounter with God so it was all sort of in I was an inward person 
then and I feel like, you know, God set me free and yeah. Yeah, made me an outward more person and, um, yeah, so it was making that decision, yeah, I'm going to give it up, I'm going to tell Judy I'm not going to smoke anymore, even if I lose her friendship, but she ended up coming to Christ as well because she was, um, you know, wanting, wow, you know, how could you do that? Like, that'd be, that'd be something I'd really like to do, but, you know, yeah. So good. Yeah. Incredible. Can we thank Pastor Kathy? Phenomenal. Can you pass it down to Brad? What a story. Like, what I want you to catch, once again, it's God's doing this. God is saving. God is setting free. God is healing. God's doing amazing things. And something I just can't get my head around theologically, he just wants to use us to do it in someone else's life. He doesn't need us. He does not need you. But he loves you so much, he wants you in the process. He didn't need Moses to set the Israelites free, but he wanted him. He didn't need Jonah, even after he whinged and did everything, but he wanted him. God doesn't need you. He wants you. It's so much better. <laughs> it's a partnership. So, Brad, uh, similar thing, mate. So, what does it look like for you, you know, pre-Christianity, but then getting invited by some mates to, to church? Tell us about that whole story. Yeah, so my journey is like a little bit different where I grew up in, mum used to take me to a church, so I went to church in Sunday school until, you know, I was like probably 14 or so, and then walked away. Um, so I was comfortable with talking about God or church setting, uh, and in that sense I always had Christian friends, so I always had some Christian friends in my world. Uh, so they just basically, there was probably two guys that always stayed connected to church and I always stayed connected to just because of our relationship. But over probably uh, probably six-year period, they just would keep inviting me to church over that period. And I think when I was thinking about it, the, probably the biggest thing with those guys is uh, they never judged me for the way that I was just living my life and and maybe they were probably a little bit too liberal with the way they <laughs> come to embrace me <laughs> but um yeah they just continue to invite me and I would go along to services whether it was someone's baptism or a random youth event or um did you ever go to a church event without them inviting you in that six years no no, I would never go because I, I, yeah, I didn't like it. So, <laughs> Not because I didn't like, but I actually felt what I would say then was guilt, but now I look back was just the Holy Spirit convicting me of that. You know, I, I knew that God was real and that that was the way, but I wasn't willing to give up the life that I, want, I wanted. And, um, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have gone and, unless people invited me. There's no way I was going to rock up on my own in that season of my life. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so. And so, yeah, after six years, um, you, you were telling your story last year at night in May. Every May in the PM service, we do a preaching series called Saving the Unsavable. People at some point in our world, we think there's no way they're going to be in church in a relationship with God, and here they are loving God. And so uh, last year, you, you shared your story, and I know in those six years, a lot happened. But So tell us about when you um, kind of were like, yeah, cool, I'm going to go back to church. 
How did that feel and how did it feel walking in that first time once you'd made the decision, I'm, I'm going to get my life right? Yeah, it's interesting. I remember like every time I'd go to church before I made a decision, I'd get this overwhelming feeling that like feeling of, I didn't know what it was, but it was obviously the presence of God and just that conviction. And then that never left me. And there was a moment where I really experienced God in a youth event and I could never shake that feeling. And that kind of kept me away from church as well because I was like, I don't want to feel guilty. <laughs> and um, But then, yeah, just through circumstances in life and um, I just remember coming to a point where I was just like, you know, it's not going so well for the way that I was planning to live my life. It wasn't, and I remember there was a moment where I'd been out all night, and I it was in a relationship that was really dysfunctional, and and I was like sitting on the back step of my girlfriend's on and off again girlfriend's house, and hadn't been to sleep, and the sun was coming up, and I was just like, "What are you doing? Like you're a moron!" <laughs> like. Like I, and I just had that moment where I was like, I really hate who I've become. And I remember in that moment, like, I, th- I think, look back, and I think that was probably my salvation moment that I didn't really realise what was happening. But I just remember thinking, like, if this is real, I'm going to give it 100% and give it a go. And in that next month, um, one of the guys that I was talking about before, he'd moved to Sydney and he was going to Hillsong Church, and he just randomly rang me. He knew I was, like, in a bit of a bad spot and he's like man why don't you just come down to Sydney for the weekend come to church we can just hang out get away from Newcastle and I was just like what the heck like let's do it and I remember we went to church and I already decided that I was gonna before I got there that you know but I in my mind I was thinking man I'm gonna walk in and feel that feeling but I remember just walking in there and just and obviously it wasn't service but I just felt nothing I was just like I was like expecting this like drawing moment but I look back now and it it set me up for life that I think that I just followed through on the decision that I'd made and I was just like no if this is real it's not going to matter about the feelings and the emotions and the um but just gonna do it and went down and done it signed the card and whatever and the formalities (laughs) that Jesus needs at the gate. You, did you keep the card? Because you need it. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. We, we post them to heaven. So okay, that, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's all right. I'm, I'm going to have to hit up your song. hope they got records. Uh, but yeah, so it's and quite that, a journey. I know for you as well, I, I quite like this because I think it's such a crucial time. What, how was that first 12 months where some guys really pushed into your world? What did that next 12 months look like for you? Yeah, for sure. Like, it was... You know what the annoying thing about Christianity is that, like, it's like everything changes but nothing changes. Like, everything changes on the inside but no outward circumstance changes. And that's really hard relationally. I found that really difficult just navigating, um, like, relationships and and jumping into church and just figuring out, like, now, like, going to church. And But I think the biggest thing for me was just getting under good guys and and I look back I just put myself in that position where I just started serving in the first month I was just like I was struggling to stop drinking but I didn't tell them that but <laughs> I was just like hey if I serve at youth um, that'll stop me going out on a Friday night and so I just literally came and put out chairs and just in the next minute 
they were like, oh, why don't you jump on this team? And then, and then I just found myself connected to a whole crew, crew of guys that started to help me to understand what a Christian man was. And, you know, it was just very natural. It wasn't, like, set up. It was, you know, and then I just started hanging out and we'd go, we'd be out in the shopping centres and I'd, you know, make a random remark about a pretty girl and they'd be like, hey, you know, we don't talk like that. <laughs> That's, you know, we respect. And I'd like, and I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, you know, it just, it was really natural. And I was like, you know, really just fresh. And, but I just was like, from that decision I made on that back step, the 100%, I just held that through and, and just jumped in. And, and within that 12 months, I was in Bible college. Incredible. So, yeah. <laughs> Can we thank Brad? Phenomenal. Let me check the mic, Chris. Before we move on, remember, like, this isn't just a, another service or a preaching thing, right? Like, we're building culture here. Are you with me? So can I ask two questions, and actually, um, can you receive and think about these questions? Who in your world right now is a Brad that wouldn't come to church unless you ask, but wouldn't be offended if you ask and would come with you? I'm asking myself that. I know people who are here who are youth leaders with me eight years ago who would come if I asked. Number two, who's here that is like Brad, who just gave their life, who just needs some good people to get around them, to help them feel connected, to show them the ropes a little bit, that you could do that for? Sound good? Caleb and Tess, I love you guys. Absolutely incredible people. And uh, once again, as soon as you moved here, you know, uh, Tess, you're very um, connected with different people people in different industries and so you're just meeting creatives and mums and palmy locals and everything and throwing parties at 11th Ave in your house. I, I want to hang out with you more but you're always like, well, it's booked for the next four years so I think I've got a spare. <laughs> just kidding. But you've always got people in your house that, that I love it. They don't know Jesus and you guys love on them so well. I think from you guys, we've got probably I don't even know how many are here today, but probably 12 or 15 members in our church from you guys in the last 18 months or two years, because you just bring us. You just do it naturally. Incredible. Can we thank them? But the thing I love most about you guys, absolutely most, they um, know you fairly well, it, it's never, ever felt or come across like a have to. It's very much who you are, and you enjoy it. And, and so I want to talk to you. What... What's it like? I can't remember what I texted you. I was just going to make it up. So, okay. I better go with the... Because you might have prepped the actual question. So, yeah, something along those things. Um, so, why would you do that? Like, working and create... Why would you... It's, it's exhausting having people in your house. It costs money. Like, why would you constantly have people in your house that don't know Jesus? What, what's the heartbeat behind that or the desire? You can butt in any time you want. Um... I guess the main thing is, like, we love because we're first loved. So, like you keep saying, like, as long as you're Christ-centred, everything just flows from that. Mm -hmm. So, I guess, yeah, it's that I have experienced the amazing love of God. So, why would I not want to share that? Like, I just feel like the closer I am to God, the more I want to share it. Epic. So like in a season where you're working, and I know you've done massive hours at times, and having mm. twins and they're exhausting, you've still got people over. Why? I actually just love people. I love, their, <laughs> I love their company and, you know, I love being hospitable. 
So it's all I get. Like I said, it's just from that that love for God that I've received. So I can just be like, I love people. They're yeah. great. Epic. <laughs> How about you, Tess? Because I know uh, if if you don't mind me exposing a little bit more, you and I are similar. Whereas Caleb just naturally loves people and is nice. I don't think I've ever seen him angry since I've known him for like five years, but we're a little bit more introverted and it is a little bit more draining for you and I, but you still constantly have people over. Why? Um, yeah, I, I think like what Caleb was saying, it's just comes out of that overflow. So what happens in the quiet place that um, experiencing God's love and I think for me it's been a journey of freedom, like just finding what real freedom is. There's so much on offer in the world, particularly now there's books and there's rituals and there's you can go to different sessions and things and they're going to tell you their truth. And I've experienced, like I've navigated all that stuff and I keep coming back to the same thing and it's Jesus. And I am just passionate because I'm like I see people just wanting to find their truth and when you know that truth you're just like oh you've got to know this because it's just going to cancel everything out and save you all this time and it's for free and you don't have to sign up for anything you can just literally sit in your lounge room and experience ultimate freedom and when you've experienced that it's like you just want to let people know um, and yeah I am introverted I do get <laughs> drained from I, I'd much rather be alone but um yeah, as I've like walked and walked with God, I just I do have that yearning, and it's there's still so much more in which I know that He's developing in me. But I just there's a passion and a fire, and I want people to have what I have experienced. So awesome! Yeah. And so it's it's one thing for people for a desire for people to experience the love in your house and and know about Jesus in your house. What are some practical things if if you even think through it, but what, what's the difference between having people over and loving on them and actually getting to, hey, you should come to a church service? Is there anything you discern in there or feel for there or any practical things you do to jump from this to this? Or is it very natural to you both and you feel that each situation? It does just feel like it sort of happens, you know, sure. like the more that you love someone and, you know, like Kathy and Brad said, there's a lot of people in your life that will plant different seeds to get you to, to where, to that point of salvation. And it's not, it's not particularly one person's job to get you from start to finish. And it's like if we're just giving someone some dinner and having a chat, loving them, that can be, you know, another step towards God. And like just showing them as each step goes on, I think it finally gets to that natural point where they're like, ask questions and what you know what are you doing on Sunday like whatever like yeah. it kind of gets to that natural point where you don't have to do any extra work or anything it's just like mm. but obviously prayer is massive too you know cool. praying for particular people yeah expand on that what do you what do you do there well yeah any time that we invite people over or anything like that we'll definitely pray over the house and peace and you know commit the night to him obviously but um yeah see that's yeah. a simple thing that not many of us sometimes we overlook that mm. but it's so simple isn't it mm. when just to bring God in before they get there soften their heart do what we can't do kind of thing yeah, yeah. awesome yeah. how about you Tess um yes so what Kay was saying I think it's just see the bird's eye, it's like you're not trying, there's not like a pyramid scheme where it's like if I do this, this and this, then they sign up and it's just deleting that idea and just 
mm. relationship with people. And I've seen it in so many different ways. There's parts where we've just been watering, there's parts where we've actually been probably at the end of someone else's hard work, like they've sown all these seeds and then we've just been there at the right time, it's they're ripe and we've gone come to church and they've yeah. come and they've encountered God and their life has changed. Or there's been other times where for years, you know, you catch up with someone and you're still, you're sowing and you're sowing and sowing and then you see them through someone else out in the harvest, like capturing the harvest, like they take that person there and it's just, um, I think, yeah, de- deleting templates and just being, being in a space with someone and knowing them and just gauging it and just going, where are you at? And then sometimes being bold too and being rejected. Yeah. You know, I've had so many times people like, no, thank you, like, and offended or, um, but you got to try sometimes, be brave and, you know, there's no regret there. <laughs> it's like I tried. Awesome. <laughs> so you, you just said it clearly. I'm just going to get you to say it again. So you have invited people to church and to your face they've said no yep. and you still have a relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. (laughs) Can we thank these guys, all the panellists? You guys are the best. You can grab a seat. Legend. You can keep that mic as a souvenir. No, just kidding. (laughs) Do whatever you want with it. I don't need it. Incredible. How good was that? Come on, one more time. Let's thank these guys. Uh, I wanted to actualize it this morning. Sometimes we can talk about the theory of evangelism or inviting or loving people and it's, it's a message or it's a theory but how good is that? Like to look at someone like Pastor Kathy and think, for me, I'm like, it, you had to be invited. You were loved. They talked to you about God. They worked with you and then they invited you and you came and then they worked with you again like, that's amazing to me. That I, I want you to catch as sovereign as God is in this process, He's not just going to do it. As sovereign as God is in the whole salvation process, and I could teach for months on that topic. That's an entire 12-week master's course I did called Soteriology. As sovereign as God is in the salvation process, He wants you as a part of it. He wants you in it. Can we get John chapter 7 up, please, yet again? We're just going to talk for another. Oh, pray with me, five minutes, and then we'll finish up. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Catch this next one. Anyone who believes may come and drink, for the Scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Can we leave that Scripture up, please? I want us... To not have a program or a mindset or a have to of evangelizing and inviting and giving. I want our church to be known as this is an overflow. Caleb and Tess were so clear then. I've experienced the love of Jesus and I just want other people to as well. I can't keep it. I cannot keep it to myself. It's, I haven't experienced religion or a C3 Corumban church service that was amazing. I've experienced a God of love. That's the difference. We we have seen Christians saved in our church when we remove Christianity and bring Jesus Christ. I'm trying to win you to a religion. I'm not trying to win you to a course. I'm trying to win you to a Savior. And Jesus said the very first step is come. Come. 
You and I, our goal, I love once again what Caleb Tess was saying, remove the pressure of you're their saviour. You've got to get them into church and meet God. Your, your, your one step is just to help them take one more step. Canon J. John. Has anyone ever heard of the Pommy guy? Canon J. John. Hilarious. Hilarious and very powerful preacher. He said, the best way to look at it is everyone starts at a negative 10 and zero is salvation. And you don't know where someone is before they're saved, but your only goal is to get them to move up a number. How simple is that? How helpful? Because sometimes we're like, man, I've got to take this you know, drug addict or this you know, uh, workaholic or this person that doesn't know Jesus so far and I've got to get them to Jesus. Yes, but a step at a time. As they said, it might be the fruit. They might be ready now. It might be literally invite them. They're going to get saved next Sunday and I'm going to rejoice with you. It might be a 10-year process. And as long as we're okay with both, then we're going to stay healthy. We're okay with both. We're not rushing that process. God will do what He wants in that whole thing. The Spirit of God is at work. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, I plant seed, Apollos water seed, but only God can bring the growth. Very next verse 8, but the laborer will receive the wages for what they do. Your wages, God's, God's reward for you in heaven is not based on how many salvations you see. It's how much you water and how much seed you plant. Bible is clear in Matthew 13. The seed is the Word of God. Just keep sowing seed, keep watering seed, church. Keep sowing seed, keep watering seed. Now that watering might be an invitation to next Sunday, but it might also be like, man, this guy's got a long way to go. I'm just going to show, hey, God loves you as you are. You're so loved. Hey, I love you too. How about I buy you a coffee? It just Let's keep doing that. First step is come, come to Jesus. Second step is for us to drink. We're still not focused on these people yet, are we? We go to Jesus we drink living water, drink, then rivers will naturally flow out of us. We catch that thought? That Great. One more verse. Ezekiel 47, please. Rivers will flow out. Rivers will flow out. You catching that? Rivers will flow out. Rivers will flow out. And then he said, this river flows east through the desert. Can you say that? Desert. Not much alive in the desert. Through the desert into the valley of the Dead sea. See where this river is going? It's not going to where there's life already. It's not going to the jungle or the Amazon. Desert. Into a dead sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the dead sea fresh and pure. Catch this. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. I'll stop there. You go to Jesus, you drink his water of love, joy, peace, mercy, grace, undeserved love, favor, acceptance through the cross, acceptance. I I call myself a son or a daughter of the most high God. I'm, I'm drinking living water. I'm worshiping. All I'm doing is worshiping. And now waters just start flowing from me. I'm not producing the water. I'm not trying to make it happen. I'm just focusing on Jesus daily. Trying to kill religion. You with me? I just focus on Jesus daily. Water will flow from me wherever the water of this river flows. It's living things. There's living things. Things will come to life. You want to see salvation in your friends and family, you drink living water. 
Do you want to see healings? Do you want to see breakthroughs? Do you want to see addicts set free? You drink water and let God do what God does best. Let God bring life when you are watering. Amen? The one thing I want you to catch from today, the one thing is that God is at work. It is incredibly burdensome if you and I think that we are entirely responsible for someone's salvation and freedom. That's too much weight for any of us to carry. You need to, go to know that God is at work. You need to know that he's the author and perfecter of someone's faith. You need to know that he who began the good work will complete it, Philippians 1.6. You need to know that right now the Holy Spirit, in 2 Corinthians 5.18-21, God is making his appeal through us. So on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God is working through you at work, with your family, as you love people, as you bless people, as you smile. There's a novel idea for the church. As, we, as we're happy, as we, we, we think that we enjoy life, this abundant life we get to, to live. God is working through that to soften people's heart and get them ready for salvation. Two things, super quickly. Oh man, I went over time. I'll finish with this. Thanks, mate. That does overflow. For me, what does living water look like? Well, it looks like a lot of things, but what we just decide to break it down for today is giving and inviting. Giving, I know a lot of people resent when the church talks about money, but here's the most basic thing. It takes money to keep the church going. It takes money to put on an event where people get free food and hear the gospel. And so the reason we give, there's a couple of things. Number one, it keeps you and I free from the love of money in our heart. First Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy, he says the love of money, not money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So we want to keep ourselves free from that love of money, amen? So now money is not something we served, it serves us as we want to see the gospel spread very far. And then we, we invite, as we're talking about today, it's a natural thing. It's a very natural thing. Uh, I'll finish with Romans chapter 10 if I can, 13 to 15. Can you just rejoice with me for the second with this? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can you just keep that there? Sorry for a second. We're going to go on, but just for a second. Everyone of your friends, everyone of your family, everyone in your street, everyone in your workplace, everyone. Everyone, 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 everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. Regardless of your theological stance, you cannot get around this one point. If someone calls on Jesus, he will receive them. He will not cast them out. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Beautiful. Now let's see that we are not jobless in this whole process. Verse 14, please. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scripture says how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. Just in case you didn't know this morning, a language we use very often, very often here. I want you to catch it. Every single person in our church is a minister of the gospel. Not just the people who hold this thing. Because you're surrounded by people I'll never meet. 
You're surrounded by people who wouldn't listen to me. There's people in your world right now who listen to you, who like you, who love you. And if I went to them, they wouldn't even listen. Don't talk to me about Jesus. Don't talk to me about church. You're a minister of the gospel there. How will anyone believe unless someone tells them? Once again, I want to remove the burden. I want to remove the have to. We're a church that gives and invites, but it's a natural overflow of being Christ-centered. Amen? So my loving encouragement to you right now is not, hey, try and bring someone next Sunday. It's not that. But it is. Who in your world needs to experience the love of God that you can show them? Who in your world needs to experience the living water of God that you can give them if you simply go to Him and drink?